Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's Word through a daily 30-minute podcast. From essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field. After only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcast. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, the good neighbor, the life and work of Fred Rogers. Our special guest is Maxwell King, the author. New York Times bestseller, and this is exciting. We have the movie, of course, with uh, Tom Hanks, and uh, Fred Rogers is hot once again. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Our sponsors with over 90 years' experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. He never left us. He's always popular, and he gets better and better with his legacy. And you are the curator, let's just say, of his legacy. Tell us how that happened and who you are, because, uh, you know, his wife entrusted you to write a book about him. Right. Well, I, I was um, running a large found, charitable foundation here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, about 15 years ago. And that's when I met Fred Rogers a couple of times. Uh, because the foundation, the Heinz Endowments, uh, was a funder of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And so I got a chance to meet him a couple of times. And then around 2008, I retired from that job. And um, the chancellor of St. Vincent College, 
Archabbot Douglas Nowicki, um, who uh, St. Vincent is where Fred Rogers chose to leave his professional legacy, all the programs, the artifacts from the neighborhood, and chose to work with the Archabbot to create a children's media center, which is, is hmm. there and has been there for about 15 years. So when I retired from the Heinz Endowments, uh, Douglas Nowicki asked me if I would come out to the college and and try to help them uh, get the center rolling. They had a wonderful building, but there weren't a lot of programs. There wasn't a lot of funding coming in. So I wanted something to do in retirement. So I volunteered to do that. And I did it for a couple of years. And during those two years, um, I said to Douglas and to Joanne Rogers, Fred's widow, uh, why isn't there a biography of Fred Rogers? He's this hmm. iconic, important American figure, and there's no biography. And they both said, oh, Fred never wanted anybody to do a biography of him. He wanted it to be about the children, not him, which, of course, as as you can tell, Michael, is typical Fred Rogers modesty. Um, but I said to to the, them, to Douglas and Joanne, with all due respect, Fred is gone. We're trying to raise many millions of dollars to get this center going, and we need a biography. And finally, Joanne, his widow, said to me, okay, I think you're right. Why don't you write it? She knew I had a a long history as a journalist before I got into philanthropy. I should say, from and, 1990 to 1998, you were the editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer, not too shabby. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I did a lot. And for years before that, I did a lot of writing and and editing jobs. So I had experience, although I had no experience writing a book. And to be honest with you, Michael, I had no appreciation for how much work it would be. It, it turned out to take me seven years from the very beginning of the research wow. until the time that the publisher brought the book out. And I, I think I would have been more daunted had I realized what an undertaking it was, but I am so glad that I did it, not just to help advance Fred's legacy, but frankly, it was really rewarding for me and beneficial to me to sort of immerse myself in the life of this really saintly man. Yeah, he really was. He really was. In fact, uh, everyone asks for him back. <laughs> we could just like yes. borrow him because of the times of today and how he addressed people. And uh, I mean, equally, people realize this who watch the show that this is really for adults as well. I mean, it's absolutely as, right. We have yes. lost the ability to connect with another person. And he called it back then in interviews saying it's just too noisy a world and yes. uh, it's too confusing. We need to reflect. We need wonder yes. and uh, imagination. And, and you'll see, of course, well, you've seen it, uh, YouTubes and, uh, uh, you know, presentations of his, including the Academy Awards, I, I believe, just take right. 10 seconds of your time. I mean, really, and yeah. how can you imagine the, the world moves so fast, just 10 seconds, let alone a minute at a commencement yes. of his <laughs> at uh, well, Dartmouth, you know, it. How come we lost that? And, and you, you bring that back. And by the way, I just want to mention, too, your book is, among many now, uh, the most popular, the most well-known, the good neighbor, the life and work of Fred Rogers, our special guest, Maxwell King, because it includes more facts and, and information. It's, it's packed. 
Oh, well, thank you for that. I think one reason why Fred, Fred's legacy is so current and people are referencing him so much today is that they recognize that this is a really intense, fast-paced, harsh time in which the traditional values, uh, the Christian values and the traditional uh, universal human values that we all prize seem at risk. And so I think lots of us turn to Fred Rogers for some reassurance about those values. And um, I sometimes get asked when I'm speaking at a book event, can I sum Fred up in a couple of words? And what I say is, it's a terrible disservice to such a deep thinker and such a, a really complex and intelligent man, but I can, or at least I'll try. And here's what I say. Fred's message to me, at least, after all my years of research, was slow down, mm. be kind. Slow down, be kind. And to, and to him, those things were directly related. You couldn't take the time and the trouble and the care to have important human relationships if you didn't slow down. You know, if there's a uh, Mount Rushmore with Mother Teresa and uh, Martin Luther King and you'd have Fred Rogers up there. I mean, he was yes. used as a, an instrument of, of God in every way. I mean, just a used, just an instrument to, to be able to bring this message home uh, and to connect. It's funny because, you know, kids have that lie detector built into them. And when they met Fred Rogers, they knew that he was the real thing. And then, and then adults yes. see Fred Rogers and they get goose pimples. We'll talk about that. And uh, people, even in high places in government, just uh, stop what they're doing uh, yeah. at the Academy Awards as well. And he just was on a higher plane. He, he was uh, an icon. Well, I think he, he did very much think of himself uh, as an instrument of God, that, he, that he, was, he had a ministry. And the ministry was to children, certainly, but it was also to their parents to their caregivers, to their teachers. And the ministry was about, certainly about Christian values. I mean, Fred was raised in the, in the Presbyterian church, going to church every Sunday with his mother at the Latrobe Presbyterian Church in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, where he grew up. And he became an ordained Presbyterian minister. But Fred was also, throughout his life, a great student of all philosophies and religions and cultures. You know, one of the things people don't realize about Fred, because he can seem on the television show to be such a simple, sweet person, mm. is that he was a very powerful intellect. And uh, all his life, he kept alive this curiosity about philosophy and religion and culture. And he read, he was constantly reading books on uh, Jainism, Judaism, Lao Tzu, Catholic mysticism, wow. the Muslim faith. Huh. He was interested in all those different religions and philosophies, not because he didn't think of himself first and foremost as a Christian, he did, but because he saw in all of them common threads of humanity that were really important. And so... To be united yes, together. we do. And uh, every people, it's amazing that people use their own faith to, to separate other people rather than to bring them together. Well, Joanne once said to me, if Fred could find uh, 
a first church of inclusion. That's the one he'd want to be the minister of. I could say him into that. (laughs) Uh, We're with our special guest, Maxwell King. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. What a book this is. And we'll find out more in fun facts, too, about Fred Rogers right after this. Hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz with Redemption Press here. Are you a coach, pastor, blogger, small group leader, thought leader, ministry, or industry professional with a message that could benefit others? If so, we'd love to help you produce a professional book that can open new doors and be an impact to other people's lives. We'd love to hear about your idea and see how we can help with our personalized writing coaches and professional editorial team. Visit redemption-press.com. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adult learner and all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. All right, we're back with Maxwell King. He is the author of The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. And uh, this is quite a legacy, and beautifully, it is written with pictures. And uh, there are many, many things I'm sure people don't know about Fred Rogers. They have an idea, and you have to uh, humanize him in the book. Was that a challenge? Well, at at first I was worried, when I didn't, know that much about Fred Rogers. When I started doing the research, uh, I was worried, would this be a complicated enough, uh, interesting enough, uh, deep and real person? Well, after I'd done some research for less than a year, I realized that this is an extraordinarily complex man with all sorts of different levels to him. And, you know, then the job began to try to document all that so that I could have it in the book. And as you have noticed, uh, I footnote everything. I wanted it to be at an academic standard so that uh, someday it can be used as a textbook at colleges and universities. And by the way, it already is being used in some. Um, and so uh, I, I had to, to do a tremendous amount of reading, of course, and I did about 55 interviews but I had a, a, a great resource because the Fred Rogers Center, j- just before I got there as executive director, had commissioned an oral history project to do 63 interviews on video, audio, and trans- written transcripts of all of 63 people who had worked with Fred, who knew Fred growing up, who were family members. Trying to find one person at, that could say something bad about him. You couldn't find one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I did. No, I, there's a couple of 
there are a couple of things in there where people are critical of Fred, and, and I took care to include them because I, I think, as Fred himself would be the first person to point out, he's a real person, not uh, a myth. Well, we know that Fred Rogers is the real thing, and uh, but you mentioned that he was a perfectionist. You'd have to be. I mean, he's a one of a kind. He's the only one that had this vision. It never existed on television. Anyone who owns a, a tote bag for PBS can thank Fred Rogers because he yeah. literally saved public television. Could you tell us about that? Well, he did, and he, and he was very much a perfectionist. Um, but I, I think, it, just as you said a moment ago, Michael, it's because he had such a great, clear vision of what he wanted to accomplish and achieve that he insisted on things being done the right way. And he had the great good fortune uh, when he was going to the Western Pennsylvania Theological Seminary to become a Presbyterian minister to be sent over to the University of Pittsburgh to study child development under Dr. Margaret McFarland, who was a famous expert in child development. And there were others at Pitt at that time, like Barry Brazelton, uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, the great philosopher Eric Erickson. They were all there studying child development, and Fred got a chance to study with them. And as a result, uh, he got the expertise he needed to make television programs at an extraordinarily high standard. And that, that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he, what he achieved, and that's why he was such a uh, perfectionist. But his early on, just one year after The Neighborhood went on the air, uh, Fred was asked by a guy named Hartford Gunn, who was the president of WGBH in Boston and was the leader of a group of television executives who were trying to secure funding for, to start PBS, to start a network. Fred was asked to come to Washington to testify on behalf of the idea of high-minded, excellent public educational television. And uh, a lot of Hartford Guns associates were perplexed. They said, you know, what are you talking about? He's a kiddie TV star. Why are we Uh having him testify? But Gunn was smart. Gunn knew that he needed somebody who was totally authentic which Fred was, as you noted a moment ago in this conversation, totally authentic and someone who could portray that both in person to the senators in the hearing and on video. So because they they knew it would be videotaped and that later the American public would see it. And Fred Rogers did that brilliantly. I mean, that tape has been seen millions and millions and millions of times. It's taught in business schools as as an an extraordinary example of an effective uh, presentation. And of course, at the end of the hearing, Senator John Pastore uh, tells Fred, well, you, you got the money. You got the appropriation. <laughs> that, that really is amazing to watch that. And uh, people are just amazed when they meet someone like Fred Rogers. How come no one has been this honest? Or how come people don't live with that type of integrity or that kind of ethic? And I think it took a lot of people by surprise. Yes. And, and you know, people think um, sometimes Uh, when they look at the programs and they read about Fred, that, oh, he was just a really, really, really nice person. And that's not the case. He was dedicated 
to being kind and considerate. To, I think the the only thing more important to Fred than uh, children's media and early childhood education was being a truly good Christian person. And here's a guy who woke up every morning at 5 a.m. to read the Bible and pray. And what he prayed for, he didn't pray for more viewers for his program or more success for his program. He prayed that that day, all through the day, with everybody that he met, he would take the time to be really considerate and thoughtful and real in his relationships. So it, it, was a, it was a very, very intentional approach to life that enabled Fred to be so honest and true and authentic. He was dialed in. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah. dialed into the human condition, and we yeah. have not seen the likes of that. We really have not. And uh, people who feel bad that, you know, teenagers growing up, they say that they would think he was kind of nerdy, and then they grow up to be parents, and they realize what a genius what, yes. uh, what a, and then uh, grandparents, and they relive him all over again. Uh, we may never see another Fred Rogers. What do you think of the movie with uh, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Do you feel, you could be honest, what do you, what do you think of his performance? Well, I thought Hanks was terrific. I thought Hanks did a wonderful job, and, and you know, I think he does a wonderful job in almost every role he plays. True. But he clearly took the time and the trouble to really study Rogers and understand, you know, one of the things he did successfully in portraying Rogers uh, in that movie was he slowed everything down. You know, the Hanks we're familiar with isn't that slow, usually on television. That's true. Um, so I, th I thought he did a good job, and I thought it was a good movie. It was an interesting movie. It was a good story. But the fact is, it was, it was more about the writer, Tom Janot, than it was about Fred Rogers. And so the movie that I really passionately loved was the documentary that came out a year earlier before mm -hmm. the Hanks movie. Uh, and that documentary, which really reviews uh, Fred's professional life from about 1968 on, uh, does a brilliant job of capturing the depth and the breadth of this very serious thinker. And was that Yo-Yo Ma's son who produced that? I'm yeah. Not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, it's Nicholas Ma and uh, another producer whose name is eluding me now, which is terrible. I should remember his name. Uh, but uh, Nicholas Ma is Yo-Yo Ma's son, and he was one of the producers on it. And, uh, boy, they, they just did a wonderful job. It was very well reviewed. As a matter of fact, speaking of Tom Hanks, I understand Forrest Gump was one of Fred Rogers' favorite films. He watched it 40 times, I'm pretty sure. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, that was something that eluded me. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, think, I, I believe I saw it was uh, his wife. It was on one of those uh, interviews yeah. on television. And he probably could relate to that kind of disarming performance, uh, how he yes. could relate to children. And that's how he was. Yeah. No, I think that's true. And, and you know, Fred, Fred didn't watch a lot of television or a lot of, a lot of movies. Uh, but there were a number of things that he really, really liked. And he would watch with his children uh, and talk about it with his children. But I didn't realize Forrest Gump was one of them. I'm not surprised, though. <laughs> and uh, Well, you know, it, there's so many fun facts, and, and it gets interesting when I could just say this, okay, because anyone who's married or they, you know, uh, how can I say? Well, even, can you say passing wind, even that Fred Rogers had a little fun? I was in your book. 
I can say yeah. it, it made his wife laugh. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who's married might do that. And he, being a musical person, and uh, no pun intended, being a little cheeky here, that he would uh, pass when his wife would laugh, and it would kind of uh, take the edge off. Uh, you included that in your book. Were you, were you thinking of not including that? Well, Fred Rogers had a great sense of humor, and uh, he was very serious and intentional and a perfectionist about his work, but everybody who worked with him really loved him because he also knew how to relax and slow down and have a a good sense of humor. And every once in a while, the crew that put together Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and filmed it uh, would play a prank on him, and what they loved as much as the prank was... Fred's reaction, which was was often uh, just as funny and creative as the prank <laughs> itself. I've heard some of the stories, and, and you include them in the book, and I'm glad that you did, because it shows that he was in every way uh, the real deal and not a performance. I think, again, people are surprised by that. And how do you live yeah. this life? How do you live this life and not lose yourself and not lose yeah. that special? But yet uh, even children, of course, especially children, they recognized that he was authentic and that he would touch yeah, them. Yeah, nobody spots a phony faster than a child. <laughs> you know, a child will, will see someone who's not authentic, not genuine right away. And so children recognized in Fred a truly authentic and real and honest uh, person. There's so much more to learn. We're going to be right back. Maxwell King, our special guest. He is the New York Times bestselling author of the book, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. More right after this. God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples, and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the unreached. Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at cinami.org. Org. That's C-I-N-A-M-I dot O-R-G or call 559-370-4103. Okay, we're back with Maxwell King and he is the New York Times bestselling author, The Good Neighbor. And uh, Fred Rogers, so popular. Look what you've done, Maxwell. Not only did you write one of the best books, uh, if not the best book on Fred Rogers, but now there's a whole slew of them coming out. But you yeah, there are from the rest. I look at uh, Amazon, the ratings. Uh, how come it's doing so much better? Well, I think there have been a lot of books about Fred, but none that set out at the, from the very beginning uh, to be a thorough biography of Fred. A lot of them were writing from a point of view, writing about an appreciation of Fred's skills, an appreciation of his values. Uh, but I set out from the very beginning to do sort of a, a classic, uh, full-length, uh, thorough biography. And so uh, 
I think that helped me in the end deliver a comprehensive enough book that people uh, are very attracted to it. And then I had the benefit also of all those oral histories at the Fred Rogers Center, which was a wealth of good information. Uh, and, it, and it took me, as I said earlier in the call, years to sort it all out and get it right to get it into the book. As far as his relationship, his marriage, now his wife's name, Joanne, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it seems like, you know, she had a high respect for you know, her best friend, her husband. And uh, I don't know, I'm sure he had many, many friends. But I mean, what was that relationship? What was that marriage all about? I think it was an extraordinarily important thing to Fred. I think it was a it was a very, very strong marriage, a strong relationship. They certainly had their differences. And I think sometimes Joanne got frustrated with how focused on work Fred was. And uh, she once described him as being able to be self-absorbed, meaning absorbed in his, in his work. Um, so she could become frustrated with that. But she really adored his... What he, what he was as a person, what he stood for, what he did, his work. And he really relied on her. She has a wonderful sense of humor. She's just a delightful person. And Fred relied on her lightheartedness to kind of ease, ease things for him. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, a relationship where Fred could go to, to sort of relax and, and let the pressure go for a while. So I think they were great for each other. And, they, you know, as I said, I met Fred a couple of times, and I've gotten to know Joanne quite well um, since, since doing the book. And um, they're just both fabulous, fabulous human beings. Yeah, Maxwell, it seems that um, his wife uh, must be, in her glory right now, <laughs> as far as, you know, it, it's only how a person is remembered after their work and the legacy yeah. and to see her husband now that is so current today in conversation, uh, Tom Hanks, you know, premier actor uh, playing him and uh, in the books that are out, of course, yours, most uh, importantly, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. Uh, how proud is she? Oh, I think she's she's really excited that Fred's work is remembered as it is, that what Fred stood for, the kind of person he was, the values that he stood for are prized and people are referencing it. Um, I think she, like the rest of us, is a little bit surprised because remember, Fred died in 2003 and there were several years there where we were worried that he was being forgotten. This is before uh, any, most of the books came out and before any of the films came out, other than the, the PBS documentary they did as a testament to Fred right after he died. And so there was some fear on the part of people like uh, Arch Abbott, Douglas Nowicki, and Joanne Rogers, and uh, Bill Eisler, who was the president of uh, the Fred Rogers uh, Productions, uh, that that maybe Fred was fading. And so... Now, for all of them and for me to see that the opposite is happening, that, that his, the importance of his legacy is, is uh, flourishing and people's understanding of him as flourishing is, uh, is a wonderful boost and frankly makes me feel better about life and people. Mm. You know how they have that chicken soup of the soul, that series? They, they yes. should have like a Fred Rogers for 
everything in life, every, <laughs> every subject, every facet. It could be for children, adults. This is just the marketer in me. But well, it, you know, Fred, Fred himself wrote a lot of books that, that actually that they're sort of books that take nuggets of wisdom from his program and from his speeches and from things that he that he said and that people collected who worked around him. There's several of those and, and they've got there's just great quotes in them. I, I, of course, read through all of them in preparing the book and used some of them, too. But there, there's, uh, you know, if 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 one cares what Fred would have thought about things, there's a lot of material in those books. What I'd like to know is, being an advocate that he was, why aren't children as important in our society today? Why isn't someone coming along, like a friend Rogers, saying we have to listen, we have to communicate, we have to be real? It seems like now they're a footnote. He quotes Jesus about, you know, let the children come and yes. uh, let them be heard. But, I mean, you talk about someone who had a special gift, who is dialed in to children and could communicate with them. Uh, yeah, but I don't see anybody has come along that says children are important like him. It's disgraceful that we pay so much less attention to the needs of children than we do so many of the needs of adults. And the fact that we've allowed our public school system to slowly deteriorate throughout the United States is shocking. It's it's it. it uh, it makes me feel angry to think about it. And I, I think Fred was really worried about the same thing. But, you know, everything, in, the, everything in, in our world depends ultimately on children. They're going right. to carry it on. Mm-hmm. And, and how we could not be more aware of that in terms of where we invest our time and our money and our resources, uh, it's just, it's terrible. You know, the, I wish that there was more really good education for parents as they become parents. Uh, and there's some, but uh, they're so, they're, they're just, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of couples every year who don't get that education and training. And it's a shame. It really is. He saw right away, Fred Rogers, the potential of television. He didn't see it as a way to make a fast buck or to make millions. Uh, he right away saw, hey, this is a vehicle to teach children, to grow them up to, and every subject, and to not sugarcoat it because he believed children could understand. And, you know, again, we don't talk to children that way. There are explosions and, <laughs> and there are all these crazy cartoons, but to, to talk to them as a human being, I think people say even in the development of children, you don't talk to them like, hello, hello, you know, yeah. you talk to them like, like people. And, and but, well, Fred had great respect for children yes. and respect for the ability of children to understand and to learn. He had great respect for that. And, and he treated children on his program uh, with great respect. And I think that the, the children sense that also. You uh, Sometimes, you know, I go on YouTube and watch these uh, interviews, not only about you, Maxwell King, our special guest, The Good Neighbor, the book, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers, but also about Fred Rogers. And, and you read some of the comments. It says, you know, seeing someone like Fred Rogers, people are ashamed that they are so jaded and have become yeah. so jaded in life. When you see someone like that, who got the most out of life, who didn't play games about life, he saw it as real. Our emotions are real. 
children's emotions are real. How we grow, yeah. it, it seemed like we, and anyhow, television, radio, sex, love, fame, these vices, uh, he did not, uh, he saw the danger of where they can mislead someone or they could uh, be used to be beautiful. He took the trouble to make a series of programs on themes that, that explored the most difficult themes of life, death and loss and divorce and, and these very, very difficult issues uh, because he trusted children to understand if he did it the right way. Well, we're going to be right back in just a bit, and uh, we're going to speak with Maxwell King some more. And uh, he has the, uh, the book, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. There's more to talk about after this. Every day, over three and a half million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school. Every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children, to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at christianschoolmanagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact christianschoolmanagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. All right, we're back with Maxwell King and the book, the New York Times bestselling book, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. You see now Tom Hanks and his movie about uh, Fred Rogers, and, um, and he's popular <laughs> once again. And uh, I want you to talk about the very popular, it was uh, on YouTube, of course, a boy named Jeffrey. And uh, uh, yes. if you mention him, he, he was in a wheelchair and Fred Rogers wanted to make a point to have him on. Uh, yes. He was an exceptional child and had the ability to communicate his feelings about being in that wheelchair. He didn't yes. want uh, him to feel alienated in any way as children can feel. And uh, he wanted people to see him as a, as a person. And uh, this is just unbelievable. Uh, and I might mention, too, that, that beautiful song, It's You I Like, which was, yeah. uh, my, my wife said, are you crying? <laughs> and I mean, I, I mean, I'll start crying again, to be honest with you. I, when I saw this, yeah. like, she said, why are you crying? I said, look, you got to see well, this. But tell, us, tell our audience about that. Well, it's a lovely, lovely piece of film. And I think, uh, again, it's a piece that, that millions of people have seen over the years. And Fred was making uh, one of the programs that was part of the theme week on divorce. And he wanted to show children that things that get broken can be put back together again in a way that, that doesn't completely fix them, but makes them workable. So he, there's a variety of ways in that program that he chose to illustrate that point. But one of the things he wanted to do was bring on a child who had a disability that put them in a, a wheelchair and show how they could cope with that disability, use the capacities of the wheelchair um, to move on with their life. And that, that was the lesson he wanted to give to children, that even though something may feel broken and it may feel like the end of the world, it's not. Life can, can move on. And he knew Jeff Erlinger uh, from having uh, met him when he made a speech in Wisconsin. And he insisted that his crew fly Jeff and his family in the wheelchair in from Wisconsin the crew members were kind of frustrated because they said, well, we can find a kid in a wheelchair right here in Pittsburgh. But Rogers was smart enough to know that this kid would have 
the genuine quality that would match his own very authentic quality and that would make a, a great interview. And the other interesting thing is uh, the the staff and Jeff's parents kept asking Fred, where's the script? Where's the script? They wanted to see the script so that Jeff could be prepared. And Fred said, no, don't worry about it. There's no script. We're just going to talk. Because Fred understood that the key to this working mm. was that it be completely authentic and spontaneous and not seem to the kids who were watching it on television to be rehearsed and be a setup. And so there was no script, there was no rehearsal, there was nothing. They just got together, and that remarkable piece of film resulted from it. That really was remarkable, how he could draw someone out, a child. And uh, I, the way television is today, and they should be ashamed, and I say that because Fred Rogers believed in the human condition. He believed it can soar to higher places. Yes, yes. He, he believed in that. And, you know, and, and that's what I'm talking about, the jadedness, where people, they don't think about that. They don't think of 10 seconds of reflection. They don't think about what you can yeah. really be as a human being. And so his program, yeah. not just for children, but adults as well. I have to ask, are there any facts in the book, uh, your book, The uh, Good Neighbor, uh, any facts that didn't make it? And you thought, oh boy, could have put that in there. Well, of course, when you, when you do all that research, there's a ton of stuff that didn't make it, but I don't think there's much of anything that I can think of that should have been in that, that got left out. Uh, although I have to admit, I didn't realize about uh, Forrest Gump, what you told me earlier. Uh, <laughs> I, I should have picked that up, but I didn't. I cheated. But most I saw of, that on most of what <laughs> Most of what I learned uh, that belonged in the book got in the book. Again, that's an advantage of taking seven years. You, you know, I worked it and reworked it and reworked it. How did his wife, and last question, how did his wife look at him as a person i mean obviously he was dedicated to his work but uh, did you learn a lot from talking to her oh a tremendous amount i had half a dozen interviews with with joanne and i and i i really got to understand his character and understand him as a person through talking to joanne more than anything else that that was a key and and they were they were great friends she called him raj and they they just they enjoyed a common sense of humor. They enjoyed their children. Uh, they enjoyed music. They were both, uh, you know, Joanna's a concert pianist. Uh, she's that. retired now, but she was a concert pianist. And Fred, of course, was a very accomplished musician. So music also was something that that uh, was a binding force in their lives. Yeah, I understand. He was a swimmer too. A very uh, he did yeah. that a lot. There's so much to talk about. This book is fantastic. If you have Fred Rogers fever, uh, you have to get this book. Maxwell King is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Good Neighbor, The Life and Work of Fred Rogers. And uh, how can we end the show? You want to, can, can you sing? It's, it's you I like. <laughs> I'm not much of a singer. <laughs> you want to try? I'll try a duet if you want to. It's you. I, I like. It's, it's you I like. Now stick with me, Michael. All right, all right. <laughs> you take it. You take it. No, go ahead. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you. It's not your fancy chair. It's not your fancy chair. I think I have the lyrics wrong. But this is. <laughs> no, no, no. That that 
Fred made that line up. It's not your fancy chair oh, for, for the interview. interview with Jeff Erlanger. Yeah. And people have to see this. And they'll be in tears if they see uh, Fred Rogers. Yeah. I, I don't know what they could search. Uh, it's you I like, Fred Rogers YouTube. But get the book. And you've been a, a real gem. And what an uh, honor and responsibility. Uh, the legacy of Fred Rogers, all found in The Good Neighbor, the life and work of Fred Rogers, Maxwell King. Thank you for being on the program. It's been a great pleasure, a wonderful interview. Thank you, Michael. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.